You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Now we want to jump into the Word, so if you wouldn't mind, I just want to have a prayer with you. We're in this radical series, so uh, let's open our heart to what God would have for us today. Lord, I thank you for oh, just your love, your grace, your provision for us. I thank you for the power of your Word that's alive and life-transforming. Uh, and Lord, this morning, we just open our hearts to what you would want to speak to us. Lord, how you would want to challenge us. Because Lord, what I know is there's a tendency for all of us at times to grow a bit complacent. And so, Lord, we don't, uh, we don't want to live out of complacent faith. Lord, we want to live out our lives radically pursuing you. So, Lord, as we talk about that today, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak to each individual about where they're at and about the necessary course uh, adjustments, course corrections that they might need to make. But I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles there, you might look with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And as I said, we're continuing our radical series today as we talk about radical pursuit. That's our focus for the day. But as I said last week, um, Jesus was radical. Man, he said some radical things. He did some radical things. And I believe just as Jesus was radical in his day, uh, challenging the culture of the day, so God's called us to be radical, to be radical in our pursuit of Jesus. See, Jesus didn't save us to sit soaking sour. He saved us so that we could live our lives on purpose. Jesus didn't save us just to get us to heaven. If you can think of it like this, Jesus saved us so that he could bring heaven to earth, that it would happen through your life, through my life, as we're radically pursuing Jesus. And Jesus didn't save us just to engage in religious activities um, but to enjoy a vibrant relationship with him. And you know, a relationship with Jesus is really like every other relationship we have. Um, that the quality of the relationship is determined by the investment in the relationship. I mean, if you think about if you're married, think about your marriage relationship. Listen, it's as healthy as your investment as, as the investments you're making in the marriage relationship. Or think about your family relationships. The quality of your family relationships is going to be directly affected by how you invest in those relationships. Or, or your friendships. The quality of your friendships is going to be determined by the investment that you make in those relationships. So what it requires intentionality. So the same would be true in a relationship with Christ. If we want to have a vibrant transforming relationship with Jesus, it's directly related to our pursuit. You know, I was thinking about what happened 38 years ago in my life. 38 years ago, uh, Charlotte and I, my now wife, we were uh, playing in a softball tournament. And that's when I first met her. As we were in, engaged in this softball tournament, I realized, hey, there's something unique. There's something special about that woman. And that began uh, a pursuit. Started with a dinner at Pizza Hut where we had um, quite a lengthy conversation. And what I began to notice from that first date, like my priorities began to change. My schedule began to change. I began to make adjustments so that I could be where she was at. She was in college at the time, so that meant some long phone conversations when she would come home. On the weekends, I was like looking for every opportunity that I could again be where she was at. I even found myself losing sleep because I was again, I was in radical pursuit. And it was that radical pursuit that brought us to marriage. And now for a little over 35 years, we've enjoyed just an unbelievable marriage. But it's all connected to pursuit. 
For 35 years, I have been in pursuit of my life, which then, in turn, affects or impacts or shapes the outcome of the marriage relationship. And in the same fashion, I would say the quality of a relationship with God depends on our pursuit of God. But rather than having some lukewarm relationship with God, we want to be those who are radically pursuing God and all that he has for us. And when I, when I think of radical pursuit, uh, I'm a sports fan, uh, sports fanatic. So I was thinking about radical pursuit, and I was thinking about the national championship football game that happened just this past Monday. If you follow sports, you know it was University of Alabama playing the University of Georgia, and ultimately uh, Georgia won the game. They are now the national champions. But if we roll this back, say, to four months earlier, think about this. There were 130 teams beginning the football season. There were players who were practicing working hard, Um, man, they were in the weight room, they were on the practice field, they were making adjustments. There have been coaches who are building strategy and game plans, and all of this was the radical pursuit of winning a national championship. I mean, all 130 teams began with that pursuit of what they wanted to be the national champion. They were playing to be in the big game. Now, as we know, there was ultimately two teams that rose to the top, being Alabama and Georgia, and ultimately Georgia won the game. But what I would say to you today is that Alabama and Georgia didn't accidentally end up in the national championship. It's not like, well, we just happened to get here. No, they worked to get there. There was a radical pursuit toward that big game, the last game of the year, the championship game. But but also interesting in this story, there's actually a story within the story of the national championship, and it's the quarterback. The quarterback that played for the University of Georgia, his name's Stetson Bennett. And what's interesting about Stetson is that um, he was a walk-on to the University of Georgia, meaning that he didn't receive scholarship. That they didn't see quality in him that would say, hey, we want to invest, we want to give scholarship. No, he was a walk-on quarterback who had this dream that he was pursuing, and the dream was to play for the University of Georgia, and the dream was someday to lead the University of Georgia to a national championship. So you can imagine as a walk-on, man, it was like an uphill climb all the way. He had to work harder. He had to overcome obstacles. He had to overcome the challenge of his size. And ultimately, because of his radical pursuit, he had the privilege of leading the University of Georgia to the national championship. It was all about pursuit. It was all about investment. It was all about intentionality. But even in that, you know, Stetson Bennett led the University of Georgia to the championship, and they received this, this amazing trophy. But even in that, I mean, think about this. The trophy they received is going to sit in a trophy case somewhere and just draw dust. In other words, as amazing as it was, What's the true value? What's the true value in the pursuit? You know, as we think about our radical pursuit of Jesus Christ, it not only shapes our here and now, but it shapes our eternity so much more, so much more than just having a trophy to set in a case somewhere. You know, if you think about it, this is an interesting thought. Jesus never asked us to sit on the sidelines and cheer on his cause. He didn't ask us just to come and, so to speak, sit in a pew on a Sunday morning. He's not looking for fans. What Jesus is looking for is followers. 
Now, fans, if you think about it, fans sit and watch. Fans are passive observers. Followers are active pursuers. Followers exert energy and effort. You know, the dictionary defines a fan as an, as an enthusiastic admirer. Fans want to be close enough to Jesus to get the benefits, but not so close that it costs them. Like, they want to be close enough to Jesus to get the perks, but not, not so much that it costs them to sacrifice. But when Jesus calls individuals, if you look back to Scripture, it, it was not to a life of observation. It was to a life of following. It was to a life of pursuit. He presented the opportunity for a changed life for all of those who would pursue him. So, so here's a good question. Would you, itself, would you self-identify as a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? Think about that. Think about your own life. Think about your pursuit of Christ. Would you say, I'm a fan of Jesus, or I'm a follower of Jesus? You know, on the screen we have for you today a a scale ranking 1 to 10. 1 has the sad face, the 10 has the smiley face. So number 1 represents what I would say is a believer who is um, complacent, a believer who's sitting back, not exerting any effort in their pursuit of Christ. 10 would be... Individuals are fully engaged in pursuing Jesus, like they're daily investing in relationship with Christ. So thinking of this scale 1 to 10, where would you rank yourself in your pursuit of Christ? I want to pause here just for a moment to give you an opportunity just to reflect on that. In your self-assessment, so I'm not assessing you, but in your self-assessment, on a scale of 1 to 10, one being complacent, ten being red-hot pursuit. What's your relationship with Christ look like today? Think about that for a moment. So here's here's a follow-up question. Are you satisfied with where you're at? What changes might you need to, to make to be radical in your pursuit of Christ? You know, if you can think about it, we can define what is significant today in our lives by, by looking at our pursuits. Look at what you're pursuing. See, what, what we set our lives to pursue is that which is most valuable to us. If you're in an all-out pursuit of wealth, then that tells you what's valuable for you. If you're in an all-out pursuit of a title or a career, that, that really makes a statement. It tells you what's, What's valuable to you? If you're in an all-out pursuit of Jesus, again, it's a statement. It's a statement of value. And I think the challenge we all face is that we can be distracted and deceived. We can be distracted and deceived from what really matters. So this morning, I want us to look at what Jesus had to say about our pursuits, about what our pursuit should look like. And he said these words as recorded in Matthew chapter 6, Beginning with verse 31, listen to the words of Jesus. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So basically, Jesus is telling us here not to worry. 
not to be anxious. Certainly don't get caught up in the rat race of trying to keep up with the Joneses, whoever they are. He challenges us to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is this, our pursuit of him. So as we look deeper into this passage of Scripture, there's, there's three directives that, that Jesus gives us. And I, I'm going to quickly share with you. The first is this. We need to be aware and alert to the deceptions and the distractions that could hinder our pursuit of Jesus. You know, in our world today, there's, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of deceptions. If we're not careful, this is what I know, we can get detoured in life. We can find ourselves chasing the wrong things, the things that, that really don't matter when it's all said and done. And, and this is what can end up happening, is we can end up giving Jesus what I call the leftovers of our lives, our leftover time, our, our leftover resources, our leftover energies, whatever that might look like. You know, that's exactly what happened to the church of Laodicea. There's a church that, that was planted, um, the believers in the church were vibrant, they were excited, they were passionately pursuing Jesus, and then over a period of time, um, they became complacent, they became lukewarm, they were deceived and distracted, and they began, they began chasing after other things, and at that point, the pursuit of Jesus was no longer a priority in their lives. It's interesting, in Revelation 3, Jesus addresses the church of Laodicea. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said to the believers in Laodicea. He says, I know your deeds, that, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Because you're lukewarm, because you're complacent, neither Hot in her code, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, how many of you know that's a strong rebuke? And Jesus is bringing this word of correction to the believers at Laodicea. Why? Because they had become deceived and, and distracted. They had become lukewarm in their pursuit of Christ. If I can say it like this, they were being more like fans than they were being followers. And this is what I know. The very thing that happened to the believers at Laodicea can happen to you and I today. Like they're not, you know, some unique group of individuals. No, I think the very thing that happened to them can happen to us. See, if we're not cautious, we can allow the temporary to rob us of the eternal. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with money, with titles, with stuff, with hobbies. Those things in and of themselves are not evil. They're not bad. But what I, what I know, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves really pursuing these things that are temporary and missing that which is eternal. I mean, think about this. One day, all the money you've saved will be left behind. The title that you've potentially chased after and achieved, at the end of your life, it's not going to matter. Someday, all the stuff you gathered will, will either decay or, or be destroyed. See, what we don't want to do is we don't want to allow the temporary to rob us of the eternal. I think here's a second caution we need to have, a second place of awareness we need to have, is that we can grow complacent in their pursuit. It's not like we set out to become complacent. It, it kind of, if you will, sneaks up on us. We can get comfortable. We can get lazy. We can come to a place where we're no longer exerting effort and investing into. That's called a, a place of complacency. You know, I was thinking about a, a nice fire in the fireplace. How many of you enjoy a relaxing, uh, a relaxing time in front of the fireplace? I know for Charlotte and I, man, we love a fire in the fireplace. In the home, we 
previously lived in, there was a, a fireplace. So a few times a week, I would build a fire in the fireplace, and we would just hang out sitting in front of the fireplace, watching the fire. One of the things I discovered is that if you don't put wood on the fire, the fire goes out. Really simple. No wood, no fire. And I think we could take that same illustration or that same example and say that's true of our relationship with Christ. If we're not putting wood on the fire, then the fire is going to go out. And we become complacent. So what we, what we don't want to do is, is we don't want to be caught unaware. So we want to be aware and alert to the deceptions and the distractions, all kinds of deceptions and distractions that can get us off course. So here's a question for you. What might you need to be aware of? Maybe there's a deception or distraction that you know, man, here's a place I get tripped up. What is it that you might need to guard yourself from? So we need to be aware, alert to the deceptions and the distractions. Here's a second directive that Jesus gives us. It's found in verse 33. Here's a directive. We are to be proactive in our seeking of Jesus. Proactive. Looking back to verse 33, listen to what Jesus said. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So notice the action word. The action word in this verse is seek. Jesus says, but seek first. Now the word seek here in Matthew 6.33 implies being continually absorbed in a search for something or making a strenuous and diligent effort to obtain something. In other words, it's, it's, an, all out, it's an all out pursuit. I mean, think about this. Think about what happens when you lose your key ring that has both your, your car key and your house key on it. What do you do? You're not passive, saying, well, you know, maybe they'll show up someday. No, when you lose your keys, you're in an all-out pursuit to seek out, to find that which has been lost. And you're not going to stop seeking until you find what? Because you need a key to, to drive your car. You need a key to get in the house. Or maybe we could talk about your cell phone. You know, talking about panic, you lose your cell phone, what do you do? You panic. And if your cell phone doesn't have a locator on it, then what happens when you misplace or lose your cell phone? It's an all-out seeking. It's an all-out pursuit to find the cell phone, right? But in the same way, that should be um, a picture of how we should be pursuing Christ. But it's, a, it's a seeking. It's, it's being proactive. You know, to, be, to be proactive means that we initiate. We exert effort. We take responsibility for the outcome. It means that we're, we're fully engaged in seeking or, seeking or in pursuit of Jesus. So we're not waiting for someone else to motivate us. We're not waiting for someone else to do it for us. No, we, we're taking responsibility. That's what it means to be proactive. And that's the way we're called to seek Jesus, that we're proactive. So, so seeking speaks of pa- passionate pursuit, not passive pursuit. And that we're fully engaged we're, uh, we're diligently pursuing, we're, we're running after Jesus, if you will. So that's the second directive. Here's the third directive that Jesus gives us. We are called to give Jesus priority over everything and everyone. Priority. So notice the priority. Jesus says we are to seek first, not second, not third, not, not when it's convenient, but we are charged to make him our first priority, our first pursuit. When he says, when he's, 
He says when we do that, then he's going to take care of the rest. He's going to take care of everything else. You know, a parallel verse to Matthew 6.33 is my life verse. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It's here the scripture says that we're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him. And then he'll direct our paths. Basically, the scripture is saying here, as we set our lives to pursue God, as we're looking to him and trusting in him, then not only does he get us where he wants us, but he accomplishes his purposes, his plans through our lives. And not only that, he meets us at the places of need in our lives. What an amazing blessing. But it's connected to this. It's connected to giving Jesus this priority, having this radical pursuit of him. You know, folks, what what you have to understand is that Jesus is not going to be some nice add-on to your life. He's not like this nice second option or, or a genie in the bottle. Listen, he's either Lord of all or he's not he's not Lord at all. And that's a choice that you have to make. Am I going to embrace the Lordship of Christ? Am I going to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus? Am I going to radically pursue Jesus? You know, I think of the story of the rich young ruler. It's recorded in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. The scripture tells us that there was a young man of means, he had wealth, who came to Jesus and he was asking a good question. He was asking the right question. He, He asked Jesus, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus addresses him and says, well, you know, there's the commandments. You know, don't commit adultery, don't steal, honor your father and mother. And so Jesus goes to this list, and, and the young man's pretty excited. He says to Jesus, like, I've done all of that. I've kept all of those since I was a young man. And then it's interesting, the scripture says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said, there's one thing you like. Go sell what you have. Give it to the poor. And get this, Jesus said, come follow me. The scripture says that at this, the young man was saddened and he walked away. He walked away from what was most significant. He walked away from that which was eternal. And I would submit to you that the problem was really not the wealth. The problem was the heart. It wasn't that he owned the wealth. The problem was that the wealth owned the rich young ruler. Therefore, he couldn't lay it down. He couldn't walk away from it. What was Jesus calling him to? Jesus was calling him to priority. He was calling him to be a follower. And I would believe that just as Jesus called the rich young ruler to be a follower, as he was calling him to give Christ the first place in his life, so he desires and, and demands that of us. Remember, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Through 25. In pretty direct words, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. He goes on to say, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Folks, there's, there's no way around it. As believers in Christ, we are called to be followers of Jesus, not just fans of Jesus. So, so as I wrap this up today, I want to leave you with a few choices that I believe you need to make to be radical in your pursuit of Jesus. You might think of this as some course adjustments, some course corrections that you might need to make in your own life. So think back to the scale, the 1 to 10 scale, where you rated yourself as to where you were at in your pursuit of Christ. 
So what adjustments might you need to make? Three things. First, I would encourage you to choose to do life with Jesus every day. You know, engaging Jesus is not just a Sunday activity. Actually, I believe that our Sunday worship times should actually be a celebration and a culmination of what's been happening all week as we've been doing life with Jesus. So I encourage you to begin every day by inviting Jesus in your day. I've discovered over the past 35, 40 years, and that's a great way to start the day. Just invite Jesus into your day. I also encourage you to allow God's Word to shape your life, to shape how you live. I encourage you to look for, for places that Jesus is at work and join Him in His work. I encourage you not just to have a prayer time, but to stay connected with Jesus throughout the day. All of that is about choosing to do life daily with Jesus. Okay, don't make it a religious thing. Don't make it a, a, a Sunday thing, a church activity. Don't make it about how you're doing life. Just say, hey, every day I have the privilege of doing life with Jesus. Here's a second choice I think you need to make. is choose to live your life for the praise of God, not man. Hey, what really matters, what really matters is not what others think, but what God thinks. So you want to live your life not for what others want or what others think, but you want to live your life and for what God did. You want to live your life to honor Him. You know, in Acts 4.19, Peter is before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, the very men who had the power to take his life. He's on trial for proclaiming the name of Jesus, for standing up for Jesus, for being radical, if you will. And they're threatening him. And Peter basically says, hey, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to live my life to please God, not man. I think that's a radical statement. I think that's a statement for all of us. Just to say, hey, every day as I'm processing life, it's my desire to honor God and to live my life for the praise of God, not man. And here's the third action I think we need to take in a radical pursuit of Jesus is that we need to choose to die to ourselves daily that Jesus might be greater in our lives. To die to ourselves daily. You know, if you look back to what Jesus said in, in Luke 9, 23, he calls us to deny ourselves and he calls us to follow him, to die to ourselves and follow him. You know, the challenge I have personally, just to be forthright and honest, um, the challenge I have is there's too much of me in me. Like, I need less of Pharaoh and more of Jesus. And I think if you're honest today, the same is probably true for your life. What do you need? You need less of you and more of Jesus. And for, and for there to be more of Jesus and there to be less of yourself, that means what? That we're denying ourselves. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul said this in, in one of the letters he wrote. He says, I die every day. Now, obviously, he wasn't talking about physically dying and being resurrected. He was talking about dying to himself, denying himself so that Christ might be greater in his life. And one of the things I've discovered is I need a good funeral every day. As I'm dying to myself, again, making way for Christ to be greater in my life. That's all about our pursuit, our pursuit of Christ. And maybe you need to do the same. Maybe there needs to be a good funeral in your life. As you're denying self, as you're dying to self in your radical pursuit of Christ. You know, if if you can think about this, you know, you don't have a wedding 
and accidentally have a great marriage. No, if you're going to have a vibrant marriage relationship, um, it requires investment. It requires intentionality. It requires radical pursuit. That's how you get to quality marriage relationship. Well, in the same fashion, in the same fashion, friends, you don't just get saved and have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. To have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, it requires intentionality. It requires you to be proactive. It requires radical pursuit on your behalf. Listen, friends, your relationship with Jesus will be defined by your pursuit of Jesus. So this morning, I would challenge you, choose to be a follower of Jesus, not a fan of Jesus. Choose to radically pursue Jesus in such of a way that not only does it change your life, but it opens your life to the greater future that God has for you. You know, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. This is what I know, friend. God has more. God always has more He wants to bring in your life. And what I'm convinced of is that it's a radical pursuit that brings us not only to greater relationship with God, but to greater experiences with God. So let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you today that you've invited us not to some religious experience, but you've invited us to a life-giving relationship with you. It's not just about a Sunday thing. It's about every day the privilege, Lord Jesus, we have of doing life with you. And Lord, my prayer today, not only for myself, but for all of my friends watching today, God, I pray that as they take an internal assessment of their lives, of their pursuit of you. But I pray that they would be willing to make the necessary course adjustments. If they would say, hey, I'm on the end of a scale like the one or a two, somewhat complacent, I've just kind of grown lukewarm. God, I pray today that this, that this encouraging word would be somewhat of a kick in the seat of the pants to get them moving. Lord, if, if someone's maybe in the five or six, Lord, I, I pray that they would be willing to make necessary adjustments, Lord, to continue to pursue you. And Lord, for those who may be on the end of the scale in the eight and the nine range, God, may they continue every day, Lord, to pursue, in you, to pursue you in a way that opens their lives to the fullness of all that you have for them. Lord, today we're committing not to be fans but to be followers, to be followers of you. Oh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we conclude today, I want to invite you to join us in worship. As we close this out, we're going to sing this amazing song that's really a, a statement of our lives in relation to our pursuit of Jesus. It's about building our lives on Christ. So would you join us as we conclude with this time of worship? God bless you. Have, be safe. And have an awesome day. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.